Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. I'm Nick Mercer. And before I talk to my my guest, my good friend, Dr. Christian Goulet, who is a pediatric sports medicine and concussion specialist, about his practice, and also about the paper he wrote along with colleague Dr. Suzanne Benno, entitled Sport-Lead Concussion and Body-Checking in Children and Youth, Evaluation Management and Policy Implications. So we will talk about that. If you didn't understand me, then you'll hear it again from uh, in the journey of our interview. But first, I want to thank my sponsor, HeadCheck Health. HeadCheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada rely on HeadCheck to improve communications and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. And thank you again to HeadCheck Health for being a sponsor for the last three, three years now, and they've been great, so please check them out. And also, to support this podcast, you can subscribe, rate, view, Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, I'm probably missing something. Um, I'm missing, well, I'm missing a lot of soup. Um, um, and also, uh, please check out to support help to support, help support the show. Check out the advertisers on my website, concussiontalk.com. And uh, thank you so much. Without further ado, here is Major with Dr. Christian Goulet. Okay, I'm with uh, Dr. Dr. Christian Guglielm. He's a child of pediatric sports concussion specialist. Is that adequate? Is that enough? Is that right to say? Or yeah, I'm a I'm a pediatric uh, pediatrician first, and and I did a, a sports medicine fellowship years ago in Boston, and uh, um, yeah, so I do uh, a lot of pediatrics, a lot of head injury, a lot of a lot of mental health uh, in Ottawa, Canada. Great. Well, that's exactly why. He's here, not to mention he's a good friend of mine from university, and uh, we hadn't talked. We were just talking briefly before we started recording that uh, last time he's on was episode two, and my first my first guest, the first podcast has been me, and uh, so there's been 148 episodes of Concussion Talk, Concussion Talk podcast, plus all the other ones I've done, but... 140 episodes. And this is this episode 150 now. So it's been a been a while Amazing. since we've had a concussion chat. Although you're here in 20 you're in St. John's in 2017. Did very concussion conference. I forget exactly what it was about. Yeah, I was, I was doing a I was doing a talk for Hockey Canada about right. Uh, the, was, yeah. yeah, we had uh, we out for dinner. I remember that yeah. was, uh, at that yeah. restaurant used to be a bank. Remember that? Yeah, yeah Merchant Merchant Tower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big tower. Not tower. It's a nice spot. But it's like, yeah, there used to be Bank of Montreal, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, you've done amazing, amazing things since that first interview yeah. years and years ago. Oh. So, you you know, congratulations to you and all your <laughs> success. Thanks. You definitely. Get, definitely want to get some of that concussion talk swag. I'll uh, I'll order some uh, I'll order some later after our after our video oh. talk. <laughs> Thanks, appreciate it. that. That's awesome. Um, and I guess so. So you were 
I'll just check out your first beer and all uh, your where I sorry, I lived in the hall for a bit when Goulet wasn't there. I'll call him Goulet if that's a bit of his habit, but it's Dr. Christian Goulet for everyone else. But uh Goulet's um, fine. You, you were you were you were in Ottawa when I was there because you were at school or in junior fellowship, but um or working elsewhere, but uh where do you, where do you work in Ottawa now? So in Ottawa, I'm in, um, so I have, uh, I work at the, with the University of Ottawa Brain and Mind Research Institute. Um, I do a lot of work with the Canadian Pediatric Society, um, hence this paper. And um, I work uh, in the community uh, and with uh, children and affiliated with the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. Uh, my major, my main clinic is out in, uh, in Canada, which is about 15 minutes uh, outside of Ottawa. That's your, your hometown, you never when uh, Kinger and I were on our bike trip, we stopped, we stayed at Eagle River one night there in Canada. We drove yeah, yeah. from Kingston to Canada, and then we, we stopped by everybody that your parents gave us a great uh, barbecue of burgers and or what else, fries, those corn yeah, I, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was amazing. And Nick and Courtney came over, and we uh, we chatted, we have written, and we drove, we that night went to uh that bar in near it's all changed now, but there's a O'Reilly's or some of that or like I forget now, I forget. Uh, I did my, my shirt's in my journal somewhere. Well, that was a different life, eh? Yes, different it was life. a different life. <laughs> but now this life, I was wanted to talk to you about the uh, this okay, it's not a not a scientific article, it's a position policy position position statement. For the Pietic CBA, Canadian Pietic Pietic Society. It's called the title is Sport the Sport of the Concussion and Body Jacking. I'll slow down. I get excited and I speak quickly. Sport sport related concussion and body checking in children and youth. Evaluation management and policy implications. So you basically Want to know about how to treat, uh, manage children, manage youth, not children, say, you as you can know, 18 year olds and 17 year olds, they offend if I call them children, but, you know, that's what we, that's what the label is. Um, so, uh, the, how to manage concussions in youth and, uh, what do you, what do you think are the main, I read the, I read the paper and I read the abstract, and I can read the paper and the abstract is all fully there on the, on the website. On the Canadian Pediatric, Pediatric, Canadian Pediatric Society website, so they can find that. But um, what do you think are the main takeaways from your paper? Would you you research beforehand? So. Yeah, so it was um, this was a, sorry, it was many years in in the making this paper. Um, so the Canadian Pediatric Society, they are kind of like the you know the godfathers of uh, um, pediatric health in this country and. Um, the last time they wrote a position uh, paper on uh, on concussions and head injuries way back in 2013. Um, and as we all know, the landscape in concussion research has changed dramatically, you know, yeah. in the last years or so. Um, so uh, with the Canadian Pediatric Society, I work on the injury prevention committee and uh, it was tasked uh, with us is to um, every 10 years for a lot of different topics we have to um, um, re-up right and so they asked me to kind of take the reins of this um, and so 
the, uh, the, the American Academy of Pediatrics a few years ago had updated their policy. And at, at the time, the uh, for concussions, the body contact age um, in 2013, we said, you know, kind of at least at least peewee age. And, and you know, years and years peewee, ago. Peewee, sorry, peewee is what, 12, 12, 13? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so and so body contact around around that age, and then the Americans um, they they started reviewing the data a few years ago and said, well, geez, you know, a lot of a lot of injuries can be prevented by you know taking out some of the body contact. Um, yeah. And you know, when I when I started, like you know, medicine fifteen years ago, you know, I thought you know I was of the other camp, and I I thought that yeah, the earlier you you know, the earlier you introduce body contact, the more you learn, you know, how to take a check and how to give a check. And um, but, you know, over the course of 15 years, you know, I've definitely, you know, had my mind change. And yeah, that's what I, this is a very it's a very polarizing topic, as as you know, Nick. With, mm, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, in, uh, but even, you know, with body contact, but even with, you know, concussions as a whole, I think that, yeah, yeah. Jesus. you know, it's you have those two different camps. There's such a dichotomy between the two. There's such a such, and I think you know, and I think you always have to have a very healthy, you know, respect for concussions um, that some people don't have. And I and, and I think that you have to you know have an open mind. I always say that when you when you when you approach a topic, it's it's best to be you know have a mindset of a of a of an experimenter of a scientist and not of a lawyer a lawyer knows the outcome of the case and they try to find you yeah. know they try to proof to support their to support their notions whereas a researcher gathers all the you know applicable information and then they they make a decision and i think you know the more you look through the literature about body contact um you know and and what we'll talk about more here is, is the hockey side of things like the literature couldn't be, you know, more definitive that as soon as you introduce body contact, um, intri- you know, injury rates go up, concussion rates go up. And and conversely, when when they have made some changes in body contact age, um, you could see like how how the body contact, you know, the how eliminating the body contact has done wonders in terms of you know decreasing injury rates, um, you know, in, in kids uh, in hockey. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, I know in the States, like, like there's been, I think even, I don't know, say Brett Favre, but like some bigger, some big name athletes have said that they don't want their children playing contact football. They want their children playing, say, like fly football. It's just, no, they think, they think contact football below, say, below or period age below is is not needed. So, and I think it'd be great to have somebody, somebody some uh, big name hockey player, say, Something similar. It's been like there's not as just seemed to hockey to be behind the NFL. You know, the NFL, even though in the in the states it seems that the NFL is is so so big, so huge there that uh, yeah, it's it's monstrous, and they yeah. I mean they have much sway and power, and yeah, I think you know you see you see the tackle, you know, football. You see these little clips here and there too of these little you know seven year olds getting. Yeah. You know thrown to the ground and i'm like well you know I, I do believe i do believe in the you know the resiliency of our brains and the, and yeah. you know can do you know wonders in terms of recovery but you know every every hit like that i mean it's yeah. you know it, it it can it can uh it can add up and it can have significant impacts and then so you look at you know the the purpose of contact in sport and 
I think the one the one side of the argument, and and I, and I do agree. I do see a point where their body body contact, you know, and body checking. I do think that they do hold a place, you know, in the sport. It's just you know to what level, and I think that yeah. the amount contact that you you can limit you know is is going to be obviously key the less body contact the less body checking that you have um you know is you know is obviously the better but it does you know at some stage have a role you know in in hockey and the question is you know where can we limit the amount of of body contact i think one way that you limit body contact is you know obviously in practice i think you can you can teach techniques with body contact but to have full-fledged body checking in practice isn't very reasonable i think the longer you can delay introducing body body checking to a degree is better wait for these bodies to physically mature um you know and and you look at the differences you know in in kids in their growth and development you know a 13 year old you know some 13 year old kids, you know, they haven't gone through that big growth spurt yet. It's like, you know, completely different than some of the other 13 year olds that can be like, you know, a foot taller and, yeah. you know, 30 heavier and, and to put these guys in and say, go at it and, and hit each other. I mean, that's putting, you know, some kids at a, at a great disadvantage. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and I think the, the other thing that we had mentioned in that paper is, you know, how integral is body body checking um in in non-competitive leagues what we call the non-elite leagues so the house league do you really need you know body checking at that at that age does it really change the you know the is it needed for the the outcomes of the games is it needed does it you know does it taking it out does it really change the nature of the non-competitive games and and again there's some good studies coming out of there um saying that well if you do you know limit body checking to the you know to the um more elite competitive leagues and at the higher age levels you know 15 above then then you can do you know can do well by a lot of these players and and limit the amount of concussions and injuries that they get yeah exactly and all that's because doing we kind of kind of talking about mitigation more than say prevention because prevention is as you as you know basically impossible i mean i don't say impossible is bad for these but like you know it's in prevention, you're not going to stop concussions from happening because, as you said, the 90, 80 to 90% of TBIs, I mean, it's a mention in the paper, are, are concussion. And yep. to prevent concussion just in general life, then concussions will happen. And uh, the, 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 uh, they're not the, uh, one of the important aspects now are also mediation, of course, but uh, diagnosis. Prevention and treatment. So, which which one do you, do you think they're all? Sorry, sorry, obviously all equal. I can say that, but like, do talk about diagnosis? We think the the major steps toward better diagnosis of these of children of the of you playing would change the best way of diagnosing these concussions are. Great, great question. Great question. So, well, I think yeah, you, you look at it in those different those different aspects, right? So, you know, ideally you know, concussions don't happen, but we know, you know, concussions are going to happen, right? They can happen yeah. with sport, happen outside of sports. So you do want to, you do want to limit the, the concussions as best you can. Uh, you might, uh, we've got some dogs barking in the background. <laughs> can I can't hear them. Oh, you can't. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, they're just, they're right. Uh, they're right. I can't hear them. Uh, 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. So yeah, so first, yeah, first is prevention. And, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things is, is increasing awareness, right? And, and that right. has, you know, people like you, Nick, that have been really increasing awareness and, and really throughout society, there's, you know, 15 years ago, it's night and day about, you know, awareness in terms of concussions. Yeah. We made some great strides there. And I think it's continuing to, to bring it to awareness. Sorry, hold on one sec. I heard I heard now. But yeah, so awareness, I think it has gone, you know, it's the improvements in, in, uh, in awareness has been amazing. I think like when we were younger, Nick, too, and we were playing our sports in high school and everything, like it is, it's night and day since where it was. So again, I think that's the first step is just increasing awareness, which has been, which has been wonderful. And then, yeah, the next stage is diagnosing. And I, and I think we've made a lot of strides there and, you know, it's it's an inexact science, as, as you know, there's no blood work, there's no brain imaging that we can really do at this point to diagnose concussion. So, you know, you're you're left, you know, trying to, you know, correlate symptoms with with a head injury. And yeah. I think you know, that that, you know, we talked about the awareness of head injury in the general population. And I think, you know, the awareness of concussions and how to diagnose concussions, um, you know, under with um, health professionals have come a long way as well. So in Canada, actually, there's um, a great resource, too. So um, for all professionals, you know, kind of working with concussions, it's called the uh, Pediatric Living Guidelines. And it's um, the only guidelines that I know. There, there are links to this in your paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's the link there. And and so, yeah, so now with that paper too, it's it's only uh, online content, but they're just doing kind of the translation component. So the paper, um, the print copy should be out within the next, uh, within the next three, few weeks or so. Um, but um, yeah, so that's a great resource. It's, it's continually updated, which, you know, most guidelines you print them and then they're not updated so they can be out to date, you know, out of date very, very quickly. But this yeah. one, papers come in. So, um, so I regularly get emails um, with new papers for me to review that um, that we can use to include in the in the guidelines. So it's really really up to date. So you know the the diagnosis of concussion it's it's uh, it's not the easiest thing because as you know there's so many things that can go into um, diagnosing uh, herbs, so many things that go into creating concussion symptoms, right? You know, and in terms of you get hit to the head, but you know some people have pre-existing headache issues, pre-existing sleep issues, sometimes stress plays into it. Um, so it's it's not easy to diagnose concussions. So my my advice is always 
you know, to err on the side of caution. Um, you know, so Jamie Kissick, uh, really leader in, in concussion work, he unfortunately passed away just uh, within the last month or two. But uh, uh, I believe he coined the saying, you know, when in doubt, sit them out. So what I find is you do a lot of the kids that have some of the most difficult time recovering from a head injury are the ones that, you know, not that first concussion, but, you know, they go back, they're hiding their symptoms or they're not, you know, aware that perhaps the concussion has, you know, started and they take that second hit. And that second hit is where, you know, a lot of the sequelae comes from. Um, so always when in doubt, sit them out, whether you're a trainer, a physician, the coach, you know, if, if there is a, a risk of concussion, pull them out because that second hit is often the one that, uh, um, that, that, uh, does the most, the most damage. And then, the, I mean, the treatment, the, the treatment obviously is incredibly important. And this is where, you know, people such as myself, we kind of specialize. I, I've probably seen 8,000, I've treated 8,000 concussions in my life, 8,000 and counting. Um, and no two concussions are really the same. Um, when I, when I treat concussions, I think it's, you know, I, I take the mindset that, there's very, very, you know, even though they all kind of fall under, under the umbrella of, of you know, tra traumatic brain injury, um, they're very, very different um, in terms of, you know, when you talk about, a, a, you know, mild traumatic brain injury, a typical concussion, when you talk about somebody suffering, you know, from, you know, a second, impu a second impact, um, when you talk about somebody with what uh, we don't say post-concussion syndrome really much, where we talk about yeah. persistent and symptoms you, you uh, kind of heard it, the persistent post, post concussion symptoms persistent yeah. post concussion symptoms yes sorry yeah. yeah and so that i mean and those are i mean the what's going on in the brain with those patients it's it's much different than you know a, a typical quote-unquote you know concussion and then you get into the whole chronic traumatic encephalopathy um, population which again is much different than a concussion and much better than second impact patients and much different than um you know the persistent post-concussion symptoms and then you have the people with you know the moderate and severe brain injuries which again there's similarities with with concussions but again from a pathophysiological perspective, they're they're very very different too. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not easy treating treating head injury patients just because it's it's such a you know variable um, you know yeah. contribute uh, out there. Yeah, no, I've, I've noticed by talking to people a lot, talking to a lot of policy people who've been you know, suffering concussions and have treat conditions or do do uh, have like technology that assist with the other mediation or the treatment of conditions, they all look at different symptoms than whatever I what I see is like my main issues that I severe I have severe brain injury, and uh, whatever I see is my my significant problems are not they not not they're similar to concussion, but they're not they're not they're not they don't match up exactly. I see, and uh, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, you're so you're saying about like. Diagnosis and the second effect syndrome. So that also comes with same the second effect syndrome. Those you just so sorry, sorry, you know, I was just wait, make sure you wait long enough that you're fully healed. But like, there's no definite way to know what they're fully unless obviously the wait is not time that we can not be say that chances are very good that you're you must be healed now. You feel good and you're and you waited a month or ever, yeah. two weeks or ever, and. Uh, well, that's 
Right. Yeah. We, we don't know when we don't know when that brain is finally healed. Right. And that's the problem. So we we go through the guidelines, we go through the return to learn and then the return to play, um, knowing that, you know, that the, there is healing that has to happen in the brain, even, you know, after the symptoms are gone um, to, you know, limit the potential of, of repeat injury. So some people think that, you know, as soon as the symptoms are gone, they're they're good yeah. to go. And that's not necessarily the case. And it's not yeah. the case. Which actually kind of made me wonder with this one. Read their paper, the 100 S, 100 B blood biomarkers. Or do you think blood biomarkers are legitimately, think they'll be, or is that more of a just could potentially be like it's a kind of a, we'd like to eventually get there, but we're not there yet. Well, it's, it's interesting, right? So the blood biomarkers, um, so whenever you're talking about doing any sort of test, right, you want, the, the two measures you look at is, you know, how sensitive is the test, right? Meaning that, all right, if you're doing a test to, you know, make sure you diagnose something, you want to make sure that you're not missing cases, right? So that's the sensitivity. And then you want to look at the specificity of the test. So if you get a positive result on a test, you want to make sure that that positive test is actually due to the thing that you're looking at. So if you get a positive biomarker, you want to make darn sure that that biomarker is due to the head injury. Yeah. Now, the, the problem, the problem is with some of the biomarkers is, and I, and I do think there are, there are some that are, are showing promise for sure, but the problem is, you know, in where, where my kind of training and my practice is kind of kind of transitioned is is looking at neuroinflammation right and so what some of these biomarkers are measuring is looking for neuroinflammation now does the head injury lead to neuroinflammation 150,000 percent yes yeah. but there are other things though too that lead yeah. to neuroinflammation as well and can that blood you know the blood biomarker or can that differentiate the neuroinflammation that comes from head injury versus neuroinflammation that comes from, you know, being in pain, um, pain causes inflammation, you yeah. know, stress causes inflammation, right? So, you know, sometimes even dietary changes, right, can, can, you know, change neuroinflammation. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. And I think what it can do, the, is it can give you an idea that, all right, that this is, this brain is not, you know, a hundred percent recover. This brain isn't, you know, fit to, to go back. So I do think it definitely has a, a place, but it definitely, I think needs some, some fine tuning before, you know, widespread uh, implementation of this. Yeah, because like, as you're saying, even, even you can't really get a, a baseline first. So you can't say take someone's blood one day and say, okay, that's your baseline because you're fine. But you don't know. Maybe they've had a maybe they have a slight headache. Maybe they've changed what they eat. Maybe they ate something last night that was unsettling yeah. or so. It's, yeah, yeah. It's to say so. And I said the reason we didn't mention anything, but really, really touch on treatment so much is that who knows? I mean, there's so many different different forms different models of treatment that are possible that we don't know what I mean, one branch to the next, as we were saying, there's just so different that you may need physio, you may need OT, you may need yeah. eye, like the the surgery, but who knows? I mean, there's just so many that would be in here for what? hours. So, so yeah, so the, you know, the treatment is kind of where we step in. And I think, yeah, you do look at, you know, you, you do look at patients and, and, you know, where, where are they? Are they the patient with the, 
concussion? Could there be a, you know, a second insult going on? Is this somebody with persisting symptoms, you know, more than three, three months? Or is this something that you know, a moderate severe brain injury. So the treatments, because unfortunately, there's not really a, you know, and I always tell patients when they come to see me that, you know, there, there's no, you know, quote unquote, you know, medication for concussion, you know, for instance, but yeah. this, you know, I, I, I tell patients, you know, I, I often say, you know, I, I work at this place called the Brain and Mind Research Institute. And I think it's important for people to understand that distinction that the brain and mind are different things, right? The brain's kind of like the hardware, the mind is the software, they work together, but you know, they're different. And, you know, for the brain to heal, the mind has to be in a good place, right? If the mind is not in a good place, then, then, you know, the brain, it's, it's very, very difficult for the brain to heal. So, you know, when I talk about what, you know, treatments, I try to, so at the, the, the Chio clinic, when I was running it at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, we would have lots of fellows and residents and med students come through and they would walk out of these rooms, you know, before for us to talk about the cases and, and they, they look kind of shell-shocked where, you know, we'd see these patients that they've, you know, had a head injury a year ago and, you know, they're not in school and they have chronic headaches every day and, and they're kind of like, where where do we start? And so my, my approach with, with head injury is, all right, so you have your head trauma and there's lots of things that, that happen. So one thing that happens with a head trauma is you get a concussion, right? And a concussion, in, in my opinion, refers to the damage to the neurons that you have in your brain. So when I see patients, I'll, you know, I'll draw a neuron for them and I'll explain what happens to the brain when we get a concussion at the neuron level. Yeah. Um, and that's a concussion. And, and we talk about, all right, well, there's not really anything scientifically proven that we can, you know, that we can used to treat this nerve. But the good news is, is that, you know, your brain has an incredible ability to repair neuroplasticity. And, you know, I always say that our, our brains have been getting concussions for a very, very long time. There is this innate ability to recover after head injury. Now, what, where we can help, and especially when we see patients, you know, who's been suffering from symptoms for six months to a year, we say, all right, let's let's look at some of the other treatables, right? And Nikki alluded it to it there. So I talk about the extracranial um, issues with with a head trauma. So with a head trauma, you get a concussion, but with head trauma, yeah, you you are going to have some neck involvement, most likely, kind of that whiplash. With head trauma, you can have an injury to your jaw, so you can get temporomandibular joint issue. You can have issues with your inner ear, the vestibular ocular system, right? You can have issues with the eye, the post-traumatic visual stress syndrome. So this is something where we can target, and this is where you know allied health professionals are are key to really help you know with the rehabilitation. And then you talk about some of the other influencers of, of head trauma. So one is, you know, you got to make sure you're eating well. You got to make sure you're staying well hydrated, right? So that's improve, It's important for recovery, whether you have a mild traumatic injury, you're suffering from, you know, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or you're having persistent post-concussion symptoms. Eating, drinking well is important. We got to make sure that we're not dealing with any other um co-founding variables. So if people have been having symptoms for more than four to 12 weeks, when they come to see me, I have a very low threshold to get blood work done. And the things that I've been able to diagnose that, you know, people had just assumed, you know, were, were concussion symptoms, uh, you know, I could write a book, right? Whether it be, you know, low iron, thyroid issues, mono, you know, arthritis, you know, Lyme disease. I mean, there's, there's so many things that can kind of masquerade as concussion yeah. symptoms. I, you know, it's so important for medical doctors to be to be involved, especially with the chronic patients to rule out some of these other things. 
Um, another thing that I really, really focus on brain recovery is sleep, right? So yeah. if we're not sleeping, yeah. you know, you know, sleep is like the number two cause of headaches, right? If you're not sleeping, your focus is really bad. If you're not sleep, so sleep, we have to get these people back on a, you know, on a, on a regular sleep routine and sleep habit. And then the other thing that, that we focus on is, you know, the, the mental health side of things. I think head injury has a huge, huge impact um, on, you know, not, not just the brain, the parts of the brain that control our stress response but just you look at what happens with head injury and what it does to kids lives you know they have their sport taken away from yeah. them or they you know their their school is is you know suffering from that and that causes more stress and you know it causes pain and so pain is a, a major depression you know, stuff, yeah. depression, exactly right yeah. so got to treat the patient holistically and and so that I, i've kind of developed this this approach to treating these really complex concussion patients and it's actually the the similar to the approach that they that they use for patients suffering from chronic pain so the first is you know we try to get as much information as we can so before patients come to see me i have them fill out all these forms and there's a lot and it helps you know get help me get to know the patients you know as well as i can and and then you know we talk about all right you know do we need to get blood work on this patient do we need to do a psychoed assessment do we need to do um you know do we need to get imaging on these patients right trying to get as much information as we can but the approach that I take is it's it's this three P approach. Um, so there are three different therapeutic arms. So the psychological treatment, the physio treatments, and then the pharmacologic. And this this helps me, you know, kind of organize my thoughts and organize and get a very systemic, uh, systematic, sorry, systematic approach to these to these patients. Um, so from a psychological perspective, yeah. So for everybody, I say you got to make sleep a priority. You know, I say you got to eat as, as well as you can. So I always tell patients, nobody likes chips and ice cream more than I do, but you can't live on chips and ice cream. And, and I also say, you know, you don't want to wait for your thirst reflex to kick in because if you're thirsty, you're already a little bit dehydrated. So you want to have that water bottle handy. And then, then what I tell with all my patients is, you know, I want you to, to abide by these three rules of one. Um, so one act of physical activity every day one act of mind training so meditation mindfulness right just you know try to give me five ten minutes a day or at worst just focus on your breathing three times you know for three breaths a day or do some yoga i think that's so so important i'm learning the the value of that not only in my own life but in uh you know in, in, in to help patients and then the other thing is and this is very very hard um, especially for kids is limiting what I call the toxic screen time to one to two hours a day. And so school-based screen time is not toxic. Family-based screen time is not toxic. You know, FaceTiming friends and family is not toxic, but the TikTok, the YouTube, the video games, social media, you know, anything where you're just scrolling, we're learning more and more how detrimental that is, not only on our brain and our mind. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, sometimes patients with all the change in their lives dealing with chronic pain, you know, I think doing sometimes counseling is needed, right? So that's kind of like the psychological perspective. And then from a physiological, that's the next P in this approach. These are kind of your allied health professionals. So, you know, we want to make sure that their eyes get checked. We want to make sure that they're plugged in with the very best physios or occupational therapies, massage therapies. So, you know, all these things are crucial, you know, for, for, for an adequate recovery. Um, you know, a good, highly trained chiropractor. These kind of things are, these are the people that, that are going to do the, you know, the, you know, the week to week appointments that are going to, you know, really push these people, you know, in, in that right direction. And then the 
third P is the pharmacologic. So this is going to be your, your supplements and your vitamins. And um, knowing that, you know, there's no real vitamin or supplement or medication that's been shown to, you know, cure a concussion, but there are, you know, lots of different options out there. And it is really trying to, you know, treat the symptoms. So I always say, you know, the mind is not going to be at peace if your pain isn't handled, if you're not sleeping really well, right? If school's not going really well. So, you know, we, we kind of hijack some of the, the migraine literature and we use either supplements or medications, you know, for concussions that have been shown to work with kids with migraines to be what we considered off label. But there are some, there are some options that, that are out there that I've used with really good success to either help, you know, calm the mind by controlling pain, helping with sleep, you know, those kind of things. So that, that's, that's, that's my approach kind of in a nutshell. I apologize if I, if I ran oh, too much, my uh, approach. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say, cause like what you said, it was just great. Cause I mean, this is good to get people, the more knowledge, cause the issues they do with position papers about body checking and hockey, which is similar to say, Tackle football. So it's so, also not dissimilar. Like when you get all the biomechanics and all that stuff, but it's the same idea of like limiting contact, which is, and also this the idea is limiting screen time, limiting, uh, say, yeah, those screen time is, is, is uh, mental health issues. So it's more societal. Unfortunately, unfortunately the concussions are, personal treatment seems to be very, very societal as a, like, Society doesn't want to give up these sports they love, and they they only give up these great gains in in the in the technology that they that they've gained and stuff. And they never in mental health has just been an issue recently, and they, and so apparently it was an issue for just ignored. And uh, so it's I think it's yeah. just it's a very tricky area to get these kids like to be able to say like okay yes there's there should like management like it's in very I'm, I'm rambling here, but uh, I encourage people to read Goulet's and your co-author is Dr. Yeah, Suzanne um, Bueno. She's at the the Sick Kids, and Suzanne did a great job. So the uh, the word count for this paper was supposed to be about thirty five hundred words. The first uh, the first draft of the paper was almost fourteen thousand words. Oh. So Suzanne <laughs> did a great job of helping me kind of whittle it down. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a whole lot. This what you're seeing with the paper is kind of like the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. 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 So yeah. So uh, so I encourage you to do do. CPS SCA, which is Canadian Pediatric Society, and search the sport, the sport, the today and now, sport lady concussion. I had it there, now I missed that. My screen's kind of funky. Uh, the title sport, the sport lady concussion and body checking in children and youth, edge evaluation, management, and policy implications. So, although I probably said that sort a bit, but uh, you get the idea. So, Search for Goulet and Dr. Majority Sorry, go out there again. It's Dr. Aubrey Dashia. Suzanne Baino, yeah, B-E-N-O. Suzanne Baino. So Goulet Baino and check out that was again it's I mean they they make there there's obviously there for what the proper the best best management, ideal management can be. But uh doctors can only work with uh in society, so these issues of mental health, of screen time, of of contact, not collision, non-contact, that's more as a general overall thing that will just development that will eventually just take place. It's gonna take time and I know I hope people are obviously 
kiragbir when they they just don't see a doctor doctor and get don't get diagnosed they want or get diagnosed they don't want or whatever but yeah. doctors are just are reacting to in society so they're there's you know that then there's only so much treatment they can it's not it's not a kind of thing it just fix you just so you got to work with them and and to email yeah. super well and to and to treat these issues seriously if you intend to recover seriously but if you just want to just do it as part of life and just okay it's gonna suck and it's gonna suck for a while then you know just accept that it's obviously though that's me preaching now for a bit but uh I'll try limit I'm living my preaching. Uh, I will not limit my appreciation for Dr. Goulet or Dr. Christian Goulet. Goulet is like as I know. And uh so we we, we said we, we haven't this is our first podcast in 148 episodes of Concussion Talk Podcast. So uh it's kind of fitting that he's out and fitting because who knows when I'll stop doing these podcasts probably hopefully a long, long while, but I mean, hopefully, keep doing them. Yeah, it's awesome. Yes, yeah, so thank you. So it's been great. I'm catching up with Gulick because I'm going to talk to him since well, since 2017. He came after that that conference here with Hockey Canada, Hockey Canada conference here in 2017. So, uh, thank you so much, Gulick, and our doctor, Dr. Christian Gulick. And check and please everyone check out the paper. Awesome. Uh, so, thank you, thank you, thank you. I gotta stop this.